Girlfriends, episode number 306, Advice for Catholic Singles with Juliette Bean. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we are joined by my daughter, Juliette Bean, with some advice for Catholic singles. If you're a mama of a single, if you are a single, you're going to want to tune in for this. What a lot of fun this was. Let's get going. Hey, girlfriend, thanks for being here. I'm glad you're joining me here on the podcast. If this is your first time listening to the Girlfriends Podcast, I just want to give you a special welcome. I'm so glad you are here checking us out. Hope you're going to want to become a regular member of our Girlfriends community right here. If you're a long-time or sometime listener, welcome back. You know I love connecting with you here. And this week is a special week because my daughter came on the podcast. This was so fun. Honestly, I didn't know what to expect because, you know, it's your kid. And yet, what a fun conversation I have with Juliet, and I can't wait to share that with you. But before we dive into that, I just want to remind people that my newest book, Whisper, is available on Audible. Every time I've put out a new book in recent years, people always want to know. That's one of the first things they want to know is, is the audio version available? Because so many people like to listen to their books and, you know, be, be able to listen on the go or when you're working out or walking or driving or in a plane, whatever. And yes, Whisper is now available on Audible. I am the narrator of it, and I will be thrilled to share this book with you. If you're not familiar with Whisper, it is the tagline of it is Finding God in the Everyday. And it's my most recent book available from ascensionpress.com. And it's a really a look at all of the little ways, kind of the no-duh ways that we might miss if we don't slow down and pay attention, that God is really, truly looking to connect with us inside of our everyday lives. We don't have to be fancy to connect with him. We just need to be intentional about it. And in this book, I share some of my own personal stories of ways that I've struggled, that I've tried, that I've failed, that I've come back and tried again at connecting with God in meaningful ways throughout the years and in the ways that my life has changed and our family life has changed through the course of these 27 years that I've been married and raising eight kids and all the different stages of life. And um, so in the book, I kind of look back through some of the earlier years of my motherhood, but then I'm really speaking to you from the place where I am right now. And I know that's a place where many of you find yourselves too, because the book that I put out before this one was Giving Thanks and Letting Go, Reflections on the Gift of Motherhood, which is available through Ave Maria Press. And that book was a very intentional look at where I am in this stage of life right now with bigger kids, more grown-up kids. But the surprising thing that I heard from people after that book released was I thought it was just going to speak to other mamas who are kind of going through this stage of learning how to let go, learning how to embrace a new stage of life when our, our kids grow up and begin lives of their own or get married or go off to school. And yet I heard from so many younger moms who appreciated the book because they felt like it offered them perspective on the life where they are right now. Anyway, all of this to say, <laughs> if you're not familiar with my books, I would encourage you to check them out. You can get all of the links in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. Of course, you can always go to daniellebean.com and click on the books tab to check those out. But definitely check out Whisper from ascensionpress.com, available on Audible, also available on Kindle and in good old fashioned 
paperback if that's more your style. If you would like a companion journal, which is like reflection questions going chapter by chapter for any of my recent books, please just reach out to me. I'll be glad to get you a free copy of a PDF for the companion journal that you can use for going through the books on your own, journaling on your own, or going through it with a friend or a group of other women, whether you belong to a women's group, that's a formal one, or just get together once in a while and you want to have some questions to kind of guide you through conversations based on themes in the books. I'm always happy to provide those for you free of charge. Send me an email. Just let me know that you need it, which book you're looking for, and um, send it at my email address, danielle at daniellebean.com. All right. I don't want to delay any further. I had such a great conversation with Juliet. I was really just enchanted and delighted to have this conversation with my growing up, grown up in many ways, daughter. But I won't share any more of her intro now because it's going to come out in the interview. So take a listen to my recent conversation with the Juliet Bean. Hey everyone, I have a very special guest who's joining me here on Girlfriends today. Today, Juliet Bean is joining us. Her claim to fame <laughs> is she's my daughter. <laughs> no, but you're, you've got much more of a claim to fame than that. Um, Juliet is a senior at Ave Maria University, and she's newly engaged to Gabriel. We're looking forward to their wedding this coming May. Very excited about that. Juliet was just home on break over Christmas, and we decided to do this podcast together. But then, of course, it didn't come together over the break. So now we're doing this virtually. But I'm thrilled to have you anyway. Welcome to Girlfriends, Juliet. This is exciting. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, um, yeah this is pretty exciting. Yeah, I know. So my husband's been on before. So you all know that Dan's been on a previous episode. If you're now listening and saying, oh my gosh, I never heard that one. I'm going to link it in the show notes over to ascensionpress.com so you can get access to the husband episode. But now with the daughter episode, Juliet, maybe just tell us to get us started. Just tell us a little bit about you and why you wanted to come on Girlfriends. Sure. Um, so I am a senior, as you mentioned, at Ave Maria University. I'm studying politics, so that's my major. Mm-hmm. And I'm minoring in theology and marriage and family studies. So okay. I'm the fourth of eight. I don't know if your listeners <laughs> will know that. I'm the fourth child and middle child. Right. The neglected middle child. Yeah, I was the fourth of nine. So, you know, you're, you're, just, you're, you're crying to the choir here. Okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's true. Um, maybe that's why I even wanted to come on here. I just wanted some attention. Maybe <laughs> you finally um, you finally got your mother's attention. This is great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the way I had to do it. <laughs> so I don't know. I really wanted to come on here. This is kind of funny, but when I was scrolling through your ratings and seeing your reviews, and I realized that you had some negative feedback or some haters, honestly, that's kind of when I wanted to join because I realized then not everyone likes you or this mm. podcast necessarily. Shocking. And that got my attention. It was the controversy. Mm. So, you know, I was kind of like, what, what does my mom do? Yeah. And I why, realized why am that- I so controversial? What did they say? Tell <laughs> us about the haters. I love this. Well, I was thinking maybe. This yeah. By the way, actually- I don't read these. So <laughs> I, do, <laughs> I do. I do occasionally go and get caught up on reviews, but it's been a long time since I've read a haters review. So I, I'm really I'd love to hear it. No, I mean, not specifically what they said, but it was kind of, I was thinking like, well, maybe what you actually talk about is important. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, prior to that, I was thinking, well, moms argue about things, but it's things like Seton versus Mother Divine Grace, that type of <laughs> argument. And I realized though, that I'm getting really, really close to kind of crossing that threshold mm-hmm. where I am. I'm getting married in May, May 27th. 
Yay. And so I'll be a wife and then I'll be a mom. And that's a big deal. So I was thinking I should join the club a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. Join the Catholic mom club. I know. I love wow. that you're saying that you kind of thought like, okay, Catholic mom controversies. Like what do they, what do they argue about? Like, is it about like cloth diapers versus disposable and like all right. of those things? No, I mean, that's what I had <laughs> in my mind. But you know, as I think about it, even the one I said, like education, education mm-hmm. is important. And it's something sure. I'm suddenly thinking about. You know, yeah. should you homeschool your kids always or not and that type of thing. So right. I don't know. It's it's definitely worth talking about. And I definitely want to now become a part of it more. Yeah. I, I like that you're sharing that perspective because for me, I like that's that's been my world forever, of course, as you know. <laughs> right. But for me now, this stage in my life where I've got these young adult kids who are getting married and I'm starting families of their own, it's a funny perspective for me because there's so much about it that I look back and I'm like, oh wow, like. I was just there like flashback and, but there's a lot too that I can see that I've changed and I've grown a lot since I was there. In fact, I was just talking with one of my sisters about this, about homeschooling in particular. And I remember Mm -hmm. saying to her, I was like, I was obsessed with this stuff, like obsessed. And now, you know, like homeschooling conversations. I mean, I still am a passionate believer in homeschooling and I I love to talk (laughs) about it and share about it. But at the same time, there's a part of me that's like, rolling my eyes a little bit. Like, okay, been there, done that. I I've seen it all. It's not a panacea. It's not like, you know, going to solve all the world's problems. It's still a great thing, but I have like a little bit of this different perspective, but in talking to my sister, I was like, you know what? That was appropriate to be that passionate about it, especially at that stage in our family lives. Like that was where we needed to be. And that's where you are right now. Yeah, exactly. So get used to it because I'm just getting started. <laughs> Here it comes. Well, try not to be obnoxious yeah. about it. That's all I'm going to okay. say. I won't <laughs> be as obnoxious as, as some of the other reviews I've read. But. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And yeah, yeah, shout out to all the haters out there. Like, you know, what, you know what's really funny is you know, early on when I was first ever blogging or sharing anything publicly, it really hurt a lot when somebody yeah. would say, I mean, and they did because it was so personal, like what I'm sharing. And like back when I was blogging, like it was all mm-hmm. about my own personal perspective, my kids, my marriage, my life. And so it did feel very personal, but I kind of, I, I guess I've grown up a little bit because it doesn't sting yeah. quite so much anymore. I think I have a little bit more of a global perspective. Like I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea and not everybody's my (laughs) cup of tea. And that's fine. Like just click on and and find something else to listen to. It's good. Even, I mean, I'd say that's where you and I differ because I seek it. I'm like, (laughs) I want that, you know, argument or I want someone to disagree with me because Mm -hmm. I feel like that's where people grow. But I mean, I think Gabriel is more on your side too. He doesn't like, you know, disagreements. And so that could be funny, but I don't yeah. know. Just finding that balance. I think that's important. So. That's right. It's all about balance. That's what we always talk about here at Girlfriends, how to balance all the things, right? Pete's balance okay, and yeah. joy in family living. That's our tagline. So, okay. <laughs> we we want to talk about something that you're a little bit more of an expert in, which is the whole dating scene. Dating's mm-hmm. changed a little bit since back whenever I did it back in the nineties. <laughs> um, wow. I feel ancient right now. So maybe you could share with us just a little bit of your dating experience or how, how you think dating's changed and what kind of you know, challenges are new to the modern era. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest change has simply been technology. We have cell phones and we Mm -hmm. have social media and people are more connected than they've ever been. And I think that this is a good thing. And I think it could also be a a really bad thing because maybe I'm a little pessimistic, but this whole connection or the constant texting and DMing and Snapchatting, 
it doesn't feel very real to me. Right. And, you know, it's some words or pictures on a screen and it can be kind of difficult to have that genuine communion without seeing the person or hearing them. And mm-hmm. um, I, I was just talking to Stephen, my brother, and we were analyzing <laughs> I know him from someone. <laughs> I think you know him. Yeah, you're a little familiar. <laughs> and, you know, he was saying it's really hard to know what, you know, this person meant because you can't hear the tone and you can't mm-hmm. see their eyes or you can't read the body language. And all of those things help a person to feel heard and they help them to understand one another. And we don't have that as much. Like, I don't think that's a problem that you experienced when you were dating someone. Yeah. Not as much anyway. I mean, it's certainly always an issue, communication. Mm -hmm. But this way, I think it's more difficult because people are more connected than they've ever been, but it's kind of artificial. And so, you know, Gabriel and I agreed at the, you know, I think it was pretty early on that if we ever need to talk about something important or deep or something, it can't ever be over text. And it Mm -hmm. shouldn't ever be over the phone either, honestly, because- we need to see one another to make sure we understand where that person is. And mm-hmm. so that's something we kind of realized after a few conversations where we were just misunderstanding each other through texting. And I think a lot of relationships probably experience that as well. Yeah. And so, you know, in terms of dating, I, I think people can be too connected and you can talk to someone actually too much. And in this way, constant communication kind of speeds everything up. Mm-hmm. You're telling them your deepest, darkest secrets, and you're having these intimate conversations through a device. And you know, yeah. I think it can speed relationships relationships up an unusual rate. And mm-hmm. you want to make sure you're balanced and you're going the pace that you should be going. And right. so, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that people are facing. Yeah. Um, oh, I see that and, for sure. And and I like yeah. that you you you. It's like a fake intimacy or Mm -hmm. an artificial one anyway, because it's been sped up in that way. And that's been my experience, you know, having, having dated before social media, before texting, all of that. Like I remember when we were dating and we would talk on the phone for hours and hours and hours, you know, (laughs) like nobody does that anymore. And even that though has its limitations and the fact that it can be so easily sped up in this way, I think is Mm -hmm. really, especially for young people, especially kids in high school, you know, just having these relationships where it's like instant intimacy and I'm not even talking physical intimacy, but that's a whole other thing, (laughs) Um, but instant, just emotional intimacy and in a serial way, like then all of a sudden that person's not in your life anymore. And then you're you're having this relationship with this next person, with this next person, like Mm -hmm. the human soul isn't made for that. Yes. Right. And I mean, you're, you're telling these really important things to someone you're using emojis and things like that to kind Mm -hmm. of convey how you're feeling. And I don't know, I just, I kind of laugh at it because I just don't think that's the way we're meant to be. And, you know, for things like social media, that's a whole other story. Um, But Gabriel and I deleted our social medias Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of our relationship. And it's been really good. And we haven't regretted that once. Yeah. I I love hearing that. Yeah. (laughs) Not that it'd be terrible if you were on it. I know some of my kids are on it, but at the same time, I think that's a really healthy decision. Yeah. And I mean, you feel this pressure and you feel that comparison and all of those things contribute to it. There's nothing good about that. I mean, certainly some people need to be on social media and I'm not saying it's always a bad thing, but for relationships, it's good to at least be aware that it can actually affect your relationship with someone. Right. And I don't know if you're deciding, you know, to get married and things, it's, 
it's just good to be you and him and you don't need other people's thoughts on it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I think this is really helpful. Good. This is helpful perspective because, you know, a, a lot of times I'll hear from people who listen to girlfriends who are young, who are single. We've got um, even some kids at Ave Maria have reached out to me and told me they listen to the podcast. So I think it's it's helpful for us to take up some of these topics that might be relevant, especially for today's singles and you know talking about some of these challenges that technology presents to modern day singles especially ones who take their catholic faith seriously but let, let's talk about a dicey topic which is the rule that we've had here in our family which of course <laughs> is that you don't date in high school and of course i say that knowing that your father and i dated in high school and that is part of the uh-huh. reason why we have that rule because we know it's not a good plan. Um, sure. But so that's been um, it probably our, our least popular parenting rule through uh, looking back now and ongoing um, among the kids in that age group. But so looking back on it now, I wonder like, what do you, how do you think about it or feel about it? Is it different from when you were in high school and what might be your plan when you and Gabriel begin a family of your own? Yeah, that's a good question. This is a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say blatantly that I don't uh, genuinely believe people should date in high school. I mm-hmm. I don't think everyone should. I don't think it's a good thing. I I don't believe people are usually at the maturity level they need to be at to date in high school. Right. So in that way, I agree with you guys. I agree with that rule. I will also say, however, that it's never that easy. Mm-hmm. And when parents, As we've discovered, rules, no, right. Sure. The hard way when parents make rules across the board like that, it can, and I'm not saying it always does, but it can lead to sneaking around mm-hmm. and it can lead to breaking that trust between a child and his parent. And that's so important. And that takes years to build up and then to just break it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that can be a terrible experience for both. And I don't know, that's really tough. So the perfect solution? I don't know. <laughs> but maybe your haters do. <laughs> I will say, Gabriel and I have talked about it and we have kind of decided, and you know, maybe this will change when we're actually married and have kids, but we've decided that it might be good to not create an age for dating or mm-hmm. you know, a grade level for dating, but rather decide based on the child. Right. Because, I mean, every child is different and maturity-wise and who they want to date you know, maybe, you know, the family and they're wonderful and they can handle it. Mm -hmm. And maybe it still isn't good for them, but it won't be as harmful as if you said no. And then they went and did it anyway. Right. And I don't know if I could say in every case, it's always wrong for high schoolers to date, because I think it would be bad to deny a child when he or she is mature enough and Mm -hmm. you know that, and you can trust them and you can work together to kind of talk about it. Yeah. So I don't know. That's kind of my view on it. Again, it might change. And yeah. I, I'm, you know, have no experience with it. So right. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I'm talking about it at all. Well, no, I think but, it's important to think you know. about it and talk about it. And I like that approach. I mean, I would say that, you know, saying that all of it should be a conversation is a, mm-hmm. a great way to approach it and probably a great way to approach many of the things that decisions you might make for your kids as parents. And, yeah. and I, I like that, you know, that, you recognize that that's that's actually one of the the toughest things I think in my own experience as a parent is that kind of balance between do we want to make this hard and fast rule that we know is going to be this temptation for them to sneak around or that to, for them to rebel against and balancing those things because at the same time 
the rules you make are communicating your standards to your kids, you know, like, so it's like, here's, here's our standard. And and here's why we have this value. And yet, you know, making concessions about it or something might convey something different, but I like the idea of it being a conversation and it being very personal because that's been our experience too, that, you know, this one same rule that we try to apply to all of you kids might come across very differently and might be applied very differently in individual situations. Um, Mm -hmm. So having it be part of a conversation, I think makes a ton of sense. Right. I've also seen with certain families or parents that they had an experience growing up and that makes them go into the opposite extreme direction. Right. And it's, I mean, it's those extremes, I think that leads to some dangerous situations for kids. And Mm -hmm. so I don't know, having those hard lines, it's important, I think, for a parent too in some areas, but you know, with dating, it's, it's a little more blurry in my eyes Yeah, and I don't know. So I don't know. I think just having that middle ground might be good, Yeah, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, all of this is recorded. So your kids will be listening to this someday. <laughs> oh, gee. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Here it is for all posterity. Um, Okay. Well, and more about dating and discernment in the modern age. Uh, What are some things that you might share that you've learned uh, maybe the hard way, or maybe by watching some of your friends about dating and discernment in these last four years of school? Hmm. Um, Yeah. So one of them, I mean, I think it's something everyone's heard before, but you know, prayer being very important. Mm -hmm. But one side that I think people don't often think about is that having your own prayer life outside of your significant other is Mm -hmm. very important even after you are engaged. And, you know, I'd like to know your thoughts on after you're married. I think Mm -hmm. you always need that, but yeah, yeah, I'd like to know what you'd say. But so like with Gabriel and I, we would at the beginning of our relationship, you know, make sure to be praying a rosary every day, doing these holy hours. And then it was pretty quickly we realized like, oh, wow, I'm I'm really not praying on my own that much. And that's not good. And you should definitely still have that personal relationship with God and with Mary and all the saints outside of that. And so, Mm -hmm. again, balancing it out. But I also think, you know, praying together is very intimate in a way people don't really think about. Mm -hmm. And so when you're praying together, you are, you know, it's one of the most intimate things in the world, probably. Right. And um, that also can progress relationships and people might not realize that, too. So. You know, I've even told my friends before, you don't, you know, lessen your prayer generally, but maybe you should pray less with your boyfriend and pray more <laughs> on your own and things like that. Yeah. So I don't know. That's something that I think people might not think about as much, but we've kind of discovered that over the years that we've mm-hmm. been together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so what do you say about marriage? Do you think yeah. that's something that that changes over time? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I mean, just the same way that my own personal prayer life has changed over time. Like I can look back to when I was in college, when I was dating your dad and like, I had such a rich prayer life on my own uh, just because mm-hmm. there was the time and there was a space for it. And that was a beautiful right. time, you know, and, and then our, our times of praying together, going to mass together, saying the rosary, all of these things were an important part of our relationship. But I like that you made that distinction that it's important to have your own prayer life. Also important to note that, that praying together is a really intimate thing. And this is something mm-hmm. I hear from people about all the time. You know, even women who've been married many years say, this is so awkward for me. Like, I don't Mm. know how to do it. Or my husband doesn't want to do it. He says it's too awkward. And I think, isn't that 
wild that, you know, this mm-hmm. person that you have this most intimate relationship with on earth, that the spirituality is a different level of intimacy that can make people uncomfortable, right. but all the more reason why it's an important part of your relationship. And of course that adapts and changes over time. You know, we, we, pretty much started our family immediately after we got married. And and of course that throws you for a whole loop, you know, in your personal prayer life and your couple prayer life. And then as more kids come and, you know, all the different things, but ultimately you're you're so right that those basic pieces need to be in place. Your personal prayer life, your, your prayer life um, as a couple and your, your prayer life as a family. And Mm -hmm. we weren't always perfect at it for sure. Not. And it's, it's all about kind of, you know, learning that together and just figuring out what that balance can and should look like. And so I always tell people, because people get so discouraged because we Mm -hmm. see, especially like we were talking about social media, people will look on social media and be like, oh, all these, you know, look at these families who have it all together. Look at, look at this (laughs) amazing, (laughs) and they're this amazing couple and look at this beautiful thing. And like, my husband would never do that. And like, that's so destructive. And so I Mm -hmm. always just encourage people, including myself, like, accept where you are. Like, where are you? Are you not praying at all together as a couple? Well, accept that. And what's thing number one that you can do? And something that was really encouraging to me was when, um, this is back probably two years ago, when Alicia Hernan from the Messy Family Project came here on Girlfriends. And Mm -hmm. you know, they're messy family, okay? They've got (laughs) 10 kids, but they're great. And they're one of those families you might be tempted to compare yourself to and be like, oh, they've got it all together. And I was talking to her about couple prayer and she was like, you know what? Listen, do you go to mass with your husband? Are you kneeling together in the pew? Then you're praying together. Like that counts, (laughs) you know? And I found that so encouraging, like, oh yeah. Okay. We're doing that, but let's see where we can go from there kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, Um, And you know, and I've just, I've been discovering at this stage in my family life that with your father, I I don't know what to call him (laughs) because people are listening and they're like, who's what? No. (laughs) Anyway, we we've been praying together in a new way by going to adoration together. And this is so great. Nothing. We've never done that together before. And it's been a very, very recent thing for us. I mean, maybe a couple of times here and there, but it's been a very recent thing for us to do it regularly. And what a beautiful thing that is that we have the opportunity Mm -hmm. for it, that we're at a stage in our life where we can do it. So I think always being open to the next way that God's calling you into deeper relationship with him individually Mm -hmm. as a couple and as a family. I think that's really key. Just being open to that because he is always inviting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That whole being open thing actually kind of relates to my next one that I was going to say that I've kind of learned just being open from the very beginning of your relationship, just honestly having these conversations about expectations and even like rules and things mm-hmm. and Gabriel I mean I appreciate that like we we actually Gabriel from the very beginning was having us write down like certain rules and things about our relationship and mm-hmm. so I mean for example and this is I don't know whatever I'll just say it yeah let's hear <laughs> um, it. so he was saying like you know physical intimacy having that conversation I mean that can be whatever that can be difficult and it can be awkward. And he was so open about it. And he was, you know, we would make really practical rules, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, just not spending too much time alone together and where we would be and things like that. And just being really open about it and, you know, making that time for prayer and just writing that down and saying what you expect and um, what you hope for and what you're kind of seeking 
And, you know, when things are bad, just honestly talking to them about it. Mm-hmm. I think that is really important in a relationship. And it, again, it's probably something people have heard before, but it's good to just kind of begin it that way. And it, it's, I found that that was just really helpful for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Being open about that from the start and especially about things like physical intimacy. I, mm-hmm. I can see why that's so as awkward as it might be at the start of a relationship <laughs> to be like, here are the or rules as awkward as it might be talking to your mom about it. <laughs> <laughs> on air. (laughs) Few things worse than that. No, Uh, but I could see how that could be really helpful because, you know, even if you're like both Catholics and you think you're in the same place with that, maybe you're not with regard to the details of things. And so just being open about that, I think is a really helpful thing. So I love that Gabe did that at the start of your relationship. Yeah. It's not even something I would have thought of. And Mm -hmm. I didn't realize like, oh yeah, I actually really needed that. And it's helpful. And we'll even go back to that list that we made years ago to this day. And it's just nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one. That's great. Okay. Um, Any other things that you might mention that um, things that you've learned? There was one more, I think that's important and that's having other couples you know, or just not hanging out alone all the time, having groups of friends, especially here on campus, that's kind of easy to do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the beginning of your relationship, I think people are like, oh, you know, I'm so in love and they'll forget about their friends. And so (laughs) being good to them and balancing your life out, that seems to be the theme of today. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, making sure you're still spending time with your best friends and, hanging out with other couples. There's this one couple in particular, Maddie and Joe, that we hang out with all the time. And we just went and saw Spider-Man last night together. And it's just really fun. And that I think is, it's really good, especially for young people, because Mm -hmm. you have to learn how to be a couple in groups and outside of groups. And that's just a different thing. Yeah. That's the last one I think that I think. Yeah. And I think that's an ongoing thing, not just when you're dating. I think once you're married, it's important to have other married couples that you interact with socially, especially just not even about heavy stuff, but just seeing how other people are living out their married lives is so helpful or to, to see, you know, even in just some small ways, like the things that people might struggle with, I think as, as, as petty as that might sound, it's actually (laughs) encouraging to know like, Oh, we're not the only ones, you know, who are struggling with that thing. And, you know, we have, we have one couple that we've known for, for several years now, they're 10 years younger than us. You, well, you know, Ryan and Tiffany, and they're, (laughs) they're so great because it early on when we first started ever hanging out with them, we would like make jokes about like, Oh, it's our, our Thursday night couples counseling session, like, but in a way it was, but not in a very serious, heavy handed way, but in a way, like just talking about some of the struggles that we're going through and Mm -hmm. just knowing you're not alone in it and seeing how other people live that out is so encouraging. Right. Yes, I think so. I think it can actually bring you closer as a couple too. Mm -hmm. just kind of being around other people and realizing you're in this together and they're in it together. And there we go. It's very (laughs) nice. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, All right. Next question. And I don't know if you have an answer for this, but this was on our list. So I'm going to ask, are there things that you wish you had known when you were younger about dating, about discernment or anything in general? (laughs) I don't have much written for this one. I said, (laughs) I wish I had known Gabriel was out there. (laughs) That would have given you a lot of perspective through high school, right? (laughs) Sure. Right. No more worrying about things. Um, But for real, I mean, I don't know. I'm pretty happy with where I am. Of course, you can always look back and you can say, I wish I'd been as mature as I am now, or I had relied on God as much as I do now, but you know, that's life. Right. And I don't feel like there was a piece. 
of advice or wisdom that you failed to give me ever in life. So okay. <laughs> no, I'm sure like, there were, but you're just not thinking of it in the moment. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know for that one. Okay. I don't know. There's always something, but yeah. nothing in particular. Okay. All right. Next topic is figuring out this is part of the discernment because I hear from young people all the time who are either dating or they're, you know, they've just gotten out of a relationship and they're just kind of floundering to know like, what is God's will for me? And mm-hmm. so it, how did you know when you were dating Gabe, like at what point and in what way, maybe it wasn't specific, but um, how did you know that he was the one? How did you know that you were, you were feeling called to, to marry him? Hmm. We were actually, we were just talking about this, weren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, my answer is very unromantic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. Cause I, this is why I wanted to talk to you about this. Let's hear it. <laughs> it's, you know, actually, so we were just talking about this with, I think, Katery and Paulina. And, yes. I mean, we were just, like, they had these, like these moments where they realized. And for me, I was like, what? um, I'm, you know, I'm a pretty skeptical person and I'm a very <laughs> practical person. And so I went about the relationship just like that. You know, I trusted mm-hmm. myself and I thought if this should end, it would be clear to me and I would end it. Okay. And every day, you know, I would analyze it and <laughs> I would never have a reason to end it. <laughs> and so you that just was haven't my had story. a reason to break up with him. <laughs> I know it's terrible. I hope he doesn't listen to this, but he probably will. Um, but instead, you know, I would just have another reason to stay. Right. And so I had never experienced that before. And he complimented mm-hmm. me and every way that I needed to be complimented. You know, he's mm-hmm. so patient and he's so calm and <laughs> I might be very opposite, right? but you know, I knew where I was weak and for every one of those areas, he really is strong. And so that helped me to see that. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't think I can say there was a moment like, whoa, I'm going to marry this man and we'll have eight kids and we'll live happily ever after. <laughs> and no, I mean, there really wasn't something like that, but right. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't have trusted that thought anyway, honestly. And I yeah, don't think that's I not how you tend to approach life. So I can no. see that. And I don't view that as true discernment anyway. So, you mm-hmm. know, instead it was consistent peace and happiness and praying about it and just experiencing that. And I think that kind of helps me to know like, yeah, this is actually something God wills for me. And right. in that way, um, I kind of came to it and it took a little while, but it was also just, you know, it was slow, but consistent. And it was good. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a super helpful perspective to share because people don't often enough recognize that, 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 and, and I try to tell people this because people think God's (laughs) will needs to be dramatic. It needs to be something that knocks you off your feet or a voice from the clouds. And so often God speaks to us through our everyday circumstances, through the, the things that we, we, get excited about or through a sense of peace that we have or through a sense of discomfort that we have in some situations that Mm -hmm. it's not always as dramatic as that. And that, you know, God kind of shapes us and um, helps us to to navigate through life in these very subtle ways of of kind of just guiding us, guiding us through with that, what you said, a a sense of peace, a sense of calm about the situation. Mm -hmm. And um, it's sometimes as simple as that. Yeah, definitely. And that doesn't mean it wasn't exciting in any right. kind of way. Right. Of I mean, I think a lot of people it's like, oh, wow, that sounds so boring, you know, but <laughs> it, it really wasn't right. It, you know, it's exciting no matter what and getting to know this person and you're just, you know, the whole time you're hoping it's the one, but mm-hmm. it's hard to really tell and know for sure. And that's why people always question that. So, right. I don't know. 
not a yeah. very romantic way to view it, but I, I think it's real. <laughs> I think it's realistic. And I'm being honest here. That's how it was for me. So. Yes. Yes. And people will twist themselves in knots trying to discern God's will when they don't have to, it doesn't have to be as complicated as all of that. No. Right. And you know, I I don't even like there's, especially around here on college campuses, there are always these talks about how to discern and you should be discerning and what are you discerning right now and all of this. And I just think people think about it too much maybe. And I don't know, you shouldn't have to analyze yourself or God for that matter. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. I don't know. you, you have to trust to some extent. And right. I think it's that just makes a matter a of, of, yeah, trying to figure it out. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay. Well, tapping deep into your unromantic side, <laughs> let's move on oh, to no. another topic <laughs> where I, I think I do know your thoughts and opinions, but I think it's an important <laughs> point to, to dive into. Do you believe in soulmates? The idea you know of the a soulmate. answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we, we had a conversation, well, an argument really about this yeah. recently. No, I really just wouldn't say I believe in soulmates. Right. And um, it really depends on what you. What yeah. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So, you know, do I believe that God has a plan for you and even a person that he might desire you to marry? Yes. You know, mm-hmm. I do think that person could be for you. Do I think that person is then the only one you should marry and the only one that can get you to heaven? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could probably marry someone other than Gabriel and have a family and I could be happy. I really Mm -hmm. do believe that. And some people might not like to hear that and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, that's how I view it. And I believe that my relationship with Gabe was from God and we've both been trying so hard to do his will, but people make mistakes and people have free will. And the point is God works with that free will. And if we were to make other choices and other decisions. I genuinely believe God could work with that and we could still end up in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually think in all, all of this, I think it's important to even talk about because in my opinion, the concept of soulmates could actually be a pretty dangerous thought in that these days we have crazy divorce rates right. and the majority of them are people that just got bored and they aren't in love anymore. They don't feel the way they used to. And then they think, wait a second, that's not my soulmate. You know, the man I work with is my soulmate (laughs) because he's so exciting. Right. (laughs) You know, like that type of thing. And that leads to that thought where soulmates are those people that you have that connection and that feeling with and that chemistry. Mm -hmm. And that's what a soulmate is. And you better marry the right one or, you know, you'll be miserable and you'll find Mm -hmm. yourself 10 years from now unhappy. But I think that's lazy and I think that's wrong. And it's a dangerous thought because that's not what love is. Mm -hmm. And a big part of love is actually choosing to love. And I think that choice is something that you will someday, you know, right now it's really easy for me to make that choice, right? but someday it might be harder. And you probably can speak to that better than I can. Mm -hmm. Um, but someday it's harder to make that choice and you still have to, or you right. still will because you love them. Right. You know, it's not as, it, it, love is sacrificial and that's not always going to be that happy, perfect moment that a soulmate, you know, that idea of soulmates kind of puts in people's minds. That's yeah. how I view that whole yeah. area. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's a very, you do? A very oh, I, I do. <laughs> I <laughs> totally agree. Because during... During our conversation, you were silent. I was quiet. 
I was just taking it all in, you know? Yeah. Um, but no, I do agree with that. And I think it is a, it is a dangerous notion to have this, I, this romantic idea of like a soulmate, mm-hmm. because like you said, first of all, when that person's not making you feel so great anymore, which happens in every single relationship, every single one, mm-hmm. like that's part of it. Um, but you know, you're talking about like love being a choice. Well, when you're, you're crazy in love with somebody and planning to get married, like you're not even making a choice. Like, you know, I remember <laughs> one time when this, this young woman in my life asked me once, like, how did you discern that Dan was the person you're supposed to marry? And I was like, I didn't discern it at all. I just <laughs> like, just knew I just it. Get married. <laughs> yes, I was just like, here we go. Let's yeah. get married. We can't wait. And you know, <laughs> that's awesome. Yes. And that's all very normal, but then yeah. it's at the point where you do have to make that choice. That's where love becomes real, you know, mm-hmm. and not that it's not real early on, but that's, that's the next level. And yeah. that's part of God's plan for marriage, of course. And part of how we get to heaven is that, that form of sacrificial love, which ultimately every relationship leads to. And that doesn't mean it all turns into misery and sacrifice, but yeah, very no. much is, is part of the reality. And I think people mm-hmm. need to know that. Um, and, and so it's, it's not helpful to say like, oh, just find your soulmate. Also, like what you mentioned on the flip side of it, people begin worried, like I'm going to mess up God's will. Like I, mm-hmm. I was supposed to marry that kid in high school and I didn't. And so forget it. My life's a mess. God can work with her. I'm going to hell. Like, yes, I know. <laughs> I missed my soulmate. Yeah. <laughs> so right, right. It's not like that. God can work with you yeah. right where you are. And even with sinful choices we make, God can bring good about from them. And so yeah. we can, we need to trust in that and, you know, being prudent and being discerning as you go along, but not overly so and not thinking that we can mess up. God's will in that way. And, you Mm -hmm. know, mess up our path to heaven in that way. Of course we can make wrong choices and of course we can make sinful choices, but not talking about that. Like just, you Mm -hmm. can't, you can't cancel, you know, God's plan for your life. (laughs) Sure. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I also just think, I don't know, it's, it's something like, it's a nice thought and it's on the surface, it looks like a good thing, but Mm -hmm. if you look deeper, I'm not sure that the concept of soulmates is is really in line with, I don't know, the vision that we should have as Catholics. I, right. But I mean, at the same time, I've talked to some really good Catholics that genuinely believe in it. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I certainly think that you can go about life and live faithfully believing in soulmates, but right. I just don't. <laughs> I didn't know that you didn't either. Yeah. Well, if you- I thought we were about to like argue. <laughs> No. And if you, if you do believe in soulmates, just believe the person you're married to is your soulmate and you just can't go wrong. Right. Like that's that's the other thing, (laughs) you know, a lot of people get married and then they'll be married for 30 years and they'll be like, Oh yeah, I married my soulmate. But yeah, you can say that. It's fine. (laughs) You have to, you know, but yeah, of course. Uh, This is so interesting. So deep going deep into the controversial topics here. All right. So oh, yeah, I'm we, this. we do know all the single ladies are listening. Um, not all of them. Many of them are married, <laughs> but a lot of them have, <laughs> have children your age or, um, and, and many of them are young single women. And these are people I hear from who are sometimes frustrated, sometimes feeling lonely, sometimes wanting to just give up on the whole thing. Like there are people who feel very frustrated in dating, whether they're just coming off of a bad relationship or they're just just not meeting the right people. Like what, what advice would you offer someone who feels like I'm meant to be married, but I am not, not meeting the person. I'm not finding the right person. Do you have any words of advice or encouragement for somebody in that situation? 
Yeah. I mean, maybe it's easier said than done. I know when I wasn't dating somebody, I was very anxious about it. And there was that whole, like, I even felt like I had a deadline. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. graduating in 2022. Right. And so that's when I have to be engaged, which it worked out that way, but I'm it's, not right. Like anyways. So <laughs> I don't think that it's good to be thinking about it too much. It seems like the best part, like you are your best version when you're just being yourself and mm-hmm. you're not as concerned or nervous or anxious about, you know, making a good impression or going out of your way to make sure you're meeting people. I know mm-hmm. it's hard. I mean, for a lot of Catholics these days where they can't even find anyone or they can't meet right. people, you know, I, so going to, so for, let me think. So for parents that have kids that are about to go to college in that area, I would highly suggest you know, they go to a Catholic college, a good Catholic right. college, because that's where you meet, you know, good Catholic people. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to do that. For those that have graduated, you know, a big part of it is just trusting. If you really do feel like you are called to be married, then that's the plan. And, right. you know, just do what God wants and try your best. Mm-hmm. Um, then, but also, you know, there are other ways, there are practical things. I'm sure you've talked about Catholic match. At yes. catering, you know. <laughs> yes. so, uh, my so for those who Catholic don't know, Match. right? Yeah. <laughs> so my other daughter works for Catholic Match, and we're big fans of Catholic Match. Um, yeah. So that I mean, using technology is a, is a great a great yes. thing. Absolutely. I know. I was I was bashing technology earlier, but it really <laughs> there is some good. There is a use for it. <laughs> and this is one of them. I, I've mm-hmm. known. I mean, I think many like ten different couples that have gotten married. In yeah, that you know personally. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So it works and that's how you meet people. And yeah, it's kind of, maybe some people feel weird about it, but it's, I don't, I mean, that's just a good thing. Like that's how you meet Catholic people. They're looking Mm -hmm. for the same thing that you're looking for. And so that's something, I don't know. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know it's can be, I don't know, nerve wracking and I haven't experienced that necessarily, Uh, you know, having, I haven't graduated yet. And so I'm not sure. But I think a big part of it is just relax a little bit and trust. If you really do feel like you're doing God's will, it will happen. Mm -hmm. And that's the best you can do. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And um, I would, I would add to that as sort of connected to that idea that we're never living our best life when we've hit the pause button and we're waiting for the next thing before we get started. Mm -hmm. Right. And that can apply whether you're waiting to get married or waiting for your perfect job or waiting to have a baby or, you know, whatever it is, like, where are you right now? Just be that person. God's calling you to be that person right now. And the more we can fully embrace that, the the better we're going to be and the more peace and joy we're going to find. And so, you know, I think you're, you're so right. Just trusting in God's plan, which is, as you said, easier said than done, you know, <laughs> and I'm sure there are people that are yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah, pretty little engaged. Girl, like, go ahead <laughs> and tell me how to feel about this. But, you know, uh, I get it. Like we all can yeah. understand frustration and we can all understand those, the feelings of, you know, everybody's, this seems so easy for everybody, but not for me, this particular thing or whatever it is. So um, for sure, that can be a very lonely and discouraging feeling for somebody who's experiencing that in dating. But I think, you know, just not saying, you know, putting your life on hold until the thing happens, I think is really, really just so important, whether you're talking about dating or, or whatever it is that you're, whatever next thing is on your agenda. 
Yeah. You know, I'd also say just making sure that you're working on yourself during it, like keep yourself busy and there's always ways to grow in virtue. And Mm -hmm. if you focus on that and you focus on that area, then you won't be as concerned about meeting the right person. And then you'll make sure that you are actually ready when you do meet the right person. You know, Right. Yeah. Nothing more attractive than somebody who's been working on themselves in any way, (laughs) shape or form. So that's great. Absolutely. All right. Um, So before we wrap up the dating conversation, um, are there anything that you want to, any things that you want to share that were surprising? What's like the most surprising thing about dating for you? Um, I think it's simply not wanting to be away from the person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm pretty introverted. And prior to this, I liked time alone. Right. And, you know, I would seek it out. And now it's kind of the opposite. And I never want to be alone. I was alone. It was, I think, well, now I'm in an apartment and my roommate was gone. And so I was alone for like an hour <laughs> and I didn't know what to do with myself. And it seems like it's always better, you know, if he or someone else is there. And so Mm -hmm. you kind of become less extreme, I think. And so, you know, I was, I was a little bit like, oh, I always want to be alone. I don't want to go out. I don't want all these things. And now it's, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm more balanced in that way. And I'm in a better place because of that. So I don't know, something like that. And it's Mm -hmm. just slow progression and slowly growing into the person that I think I'm supposed to be you know, it would always be like, well, I'm impatient. That's just the way I am. And, you know, they will (laughs) will call me to be better. He'll be like, no, you're not supposed to be. Right. Right. Be better. And, you know, certain things like that, it's really nice to be called out and to have someone that is rooting for you. And it's also challenging you the whole time. And that's just been surprising, but it's also just been um, a really helpful, good thing about dating somebody. Yeah. I love it. That's very balancing. <laughs> and I can see that between you and Gabriel. So I, I love to see it as your mom as well. Well, we're running out of time. We did have some more questions, but we'll just have to plan for you to come back. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> I know you're going to be a popular. Things. Yes. Yes. We'll have people <laughs> send in their controversial questions. Haters, please send in your questions for Julia. I'll be checking the reviews, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't have social media, so you can't. Yeah, you won't me. really, you won't really find Juliet anywhere. But yeah, Good you luck. can send them. You can send them to me. I'm always asking for feedback, Danielle at daniellebean.com. Send me your feedback. But Juliet, I just want to thank you for taking the time to talk with me here on Girlfriends. I am just so proud of you as your mama, but as just a a woman in the world seeing the young couples rising up, I'm just overjoyed to see what you and Gabriel are planning for the future. And I love you guys so much. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor with the Danielle Bean. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Absolutely. Well, it's been an honor sharing with you all here too. We've got some more of the show coming up. Don't go anywhere. I'm Danielle Bean and you're listening to the Girlfriends Podcast. Hi, we're Jackie and Bobby Angel with Ascension Presents and we wrote a book. Yay! Ta-da! Um, It's on discernment, which is figuring out the will of God in your life, which can be an exciting and yet exhausting endeavor. It's called Pray, Decide, and Don't Worry, Five Steps to Discerning God's Will. And we wrote it with Father Mike Schmitz from Ascension Presents. You might know him. (laughs) You may know that guy. The book is concise, but there's lots of wisdom for any person that really wants to do God's will. And it's a journey trying to figure out what God wants for your life. And so there's a lot of wisdom from things we've learned along the way. There's testimonies and and parts of our stories to help you out. Really, like this is a book I wish I had 
as a young adult, like this would have helped me a lot in my 20s. Discernment is a question we get asked all the time. Where is God calling me? What am I called to? What vocation am I called to? How do I know if I'm supposed to take it, this job? How do I know this? So we wrote this book to help you along the way to give five steps to discern whatever decision you're making and hopefully to give that peace and that joy that will come from making that decision. And the, the main goal is to help you grow closer to God along the way. So maybe not you, maybe someone in your life is wrestling with a really tough decision and you want to give them some kind of resource or encouragement. It's for if you've got a big decision, period. Yeah, so go get your copy of Pray, Decide, and Don't Worry. Go buy one for a friend. Buy one for someone who's not your friend. Love your enemies. <laughs> buy them this book. <laughs> go to ascensionpress.com and get your copy today. Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where I like to share a little bit of listener feedback with you. Sometimes I share a listener question and answer it here. If you have a question you want me to answer in this segment of the podcast, I would love to hear from you. You can connect with me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com, or I'd love you even more if you sent me a Vox. If you're on Voxer, use the link in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. There for every every episode of Girlfriends has the my Voxer link to connect with me on Voxer at the bottom of the show notes, and you can send me a voice recording that way. But this week, I heard from Crystal who sent me this email. She said, why do I have to make dinner every single day? day. <laughs> Pause. Okay. <laughs> I already like this email. <laughs> I like that you're asking me this, Crystal. Okay. Then she says, I love being an at-home mom, but I'm just not motivated to cook dinner every single night. And I feel like a failure about this. I didn't grow up with a mom who cooked. And so I never really learned some basic stuff. I see other moms making all this amazing food for their families. And I just feel like a loser. Besides that, my kids never like what I make anyway. And I am just ready to quit. Do you have any encouragement for someone like me who's just never going to be a Betty Crocker? Okay, Crystal, I do. I love the realness of your question. And I think we all, even those of us who like to cook, and I include myself in that category, we all find ourselves there sometimes. So I'm just going to answer this question because I, you know, it, even someone who loves to cook and find themselves feeling like, oh my goodness. Like I remember, I have such a clear memory of when I was like, I don't know, probably like 13 or 14 years old. My mom, who raised nine of us, was just sitting in the living room. It was late afternoon. And she was like, what are we going to have for dinner? you know, being 13 or 14 years old, I was just like, I, I don't know. And <laughs> she said to me <laughs> that she couldn't believe when she looked ahead at her lifetime, how many more dinners she was going to have to prepare. And I've thought about that conversation because I didn't get it at the time at all. I was just like, whatever, mom, that's your job, you know, figure it out. And yet I've thought back on it many times through the years when I do feel burdened by that, like what on earth? And yeah, not every Every mom has the sole responsibility for putting dinner on the table every night of the week, but many of us do. Many of us, that's part of what we do for our households. And it can be burdensome and it can be boring sometimes. It can feel like a thankless task, especially if your family doesn't appreciate what you cook. And if you don't aren't feeling particularly inspired, it just feels like this heavy burden that we sometimes have to carry. So First of all, Crystal, you're saying, you know, you don't like to cook, you don't enjoy cooking, and you feel like a loser about that. Well, I'm going to say that is totally fine if you don't enjoy cooking. Like, you don't have to be a Betty Crocker. You are you. You are your husband's wife and your kid's mom. You are unique and unrepeatable, 
And if that doesn't include loving to cook, that's just part of God's plan for who you are and the gift you're meant to be to your family. So everybody's different. Everybody has different gifts and strengths and interests and things that motivate them. And if you're never going to be on fire about making dinner, then that's just part of who you are. So I just want to encourage you not to see that as some way that you're a loser or a failure, but to just see it as part of your own unique temperament and personality. And yeah, maybe you're still going to have that duty to, to make make dinner, whatever your family arrangements are for that responsibility. But that doesn't mean you have to feel like a loser about it. And you may never feel like it's the best thing you do in your day. There, we all have things like that, you know, things in, in homemaking that we don't particularly feel on fire about or don't particularly feel like we're good at. Uh, one thing that I feel like that about is making a bed. Like, I am the worst at making a bed. I can spend like 45 minutes like trying to put the sheets on, trying to make everything tucked just so, trying to make it look neat and tidy. And and it's still going to look lopsided. In the end, I just, I don't have that thing that Martha Stewart something that my mom and my sisters have and so many of my girlfriends have like to just like make the bed look amazing. But you know, I accept that about myself and I still make beds. I, I give it a good go, but I just know that's one place where I'm never going to actually shine. And we all have things like that. Um. So anyway, but that said, Crystal, you can learn. You said you didn't get you know the basics from your mom, but that's fine. There's YouTube now. You can just go on YouTube, Google like whatever whatever skill you want to have in the kitchen, like how to fry an egg, how to scramble eggs, how to how to boil water, you know, basic stuff, how to make pasta, how to make a cheese sauce, how to whatever. And you'll find a video that will walk you through it. I promise you. I promise you, you will. And if YouTube isn't your thing, you know, of course, basic cookbooks. I mean, that's how I've learned many of my own cooking skills through the years. I, I was interested in it. And so I even before the internet gasp, you know, I collected cookbooks and I, I just love to go through recipes and try new things and sometimes fail at them, but then kind of learn in the, as you go. So you can just get some basic recipes. This is what I would recommend to you, Crystal. If this is your job for now anyway, and for the time being, this is your job, you know, feeding your family in this way, then get some basic recipes together. You know, maybe get a very basic cookbook and find some basic recipes that you don't mind so much making that your family might enjoy. Stick to the basics. Don't try to get fancy. Sometimes that's the problem with internet recipes as they get super fancy. I mean, I would say you mentioned Betty Crocker, but there actually is like a very basic uh, Betty Crocker cookbook that I loved for years. And um, it has just, you know, the everyday basic recipes in it. Um, there's Better Homes and Gardens one. Um, I've never read The Joy of Cooking, but I've heard that one recommended quite a bit. And if anybody listening has a basic how-to kind of cookbook to recommend for Crystal or others, let me know. I'll be glad to share it on a future show. Also, I would just say, Crystal, you know, make a plan and, and get some help. You don't have to do this 100% on your own. There are like meal planning services. Like there are some that you can order that the meals come ready made. I don't know if that's in your budget, but you could look into that. There are some where you order it and the meals come as ingredients and kind of walk you through the cooking. And that's a great way to learn. I know people who really enjoy doing that. And um, yeah, it's probably more expensive than going to the grocery store. I don't know because I've never priced them out myself. But maybe just getting that like, you know, once a week even could give you a little bit of a break or something that feels different. Like you don't have to come up with the recipe on your own. And you've got the step by step instructions and everything's all measured out and everything's right there. You don't have to go to the grocery store for the ingredients. That might be nice to kind of put into your mix of things that you're going to plan throughout your week. Maybe you're going to plan once a week on Fridays, you get pizza. 
and that could be part of your plan. You know, so what I'm encouraging you to do is just sit down and make a plan and see how you can vary it so that it won't feel so overwhelming to you. Like there might be one night where you use a, a dinner kit like that. There might be one night where um, you make a basic recipe that you you know and you feel comfortable making. Um, even if it's you're having that every every week, that's okay. You can even make small variations on it. You don't have to feel like you have to come up with a brand new exciting thing every night of the week for the rest of your life. I mean, that is overwhelming. But once you get some basic things, I, I would really suggest that you you plan out your week. And that makes it feel so much more doable. I've been like hit and miss about doing this all through my married life where I've had times where I will plan out, you know, seven days at a time. And that's great. Other times I'll just plan out, you know, three, maybe three meals, four meals, maybe three meals and one planned leftovers kind of night, but just kind of vary it in that way and see, you know, what you can do. One other suggestion I would say is think about doing like creative things for dinner, like breakfast for dinner, for example. Your family might just love to have pancakes and sausage or egg sandwiches. You know, and nobody says that those things are just for, for breakfast time and they can be easier to make. They can be more fun to make. Your family might be more receptive to them. So, but I really would recommend making a plan, whether you're planning the entire week out or, you know, just doing maybe three or four days at a time. Having that in place is really helpful. You you get less overwhelmed by it. And, and trust me, I know this because I've done it. <laughs> I've done it both ways. <laughs> and if you have no idea what's for dinner and it's like 4.30 p.m. and people around you are starting to get hungry and ask questions, it's kind of overwhelming and it can feel like a real burden. So I think just having a basic plan in place can make it feel much more doable. And then the last thing I'd recommend to you, Crystal, is to talk about it with a friend. Maybe make a plan together with a friend. There were many years where my younger sister and I, every week we each would share with each other two recipes. So she would share two with me, I would share two with her, and we would make our meal plan, including those four recipes each week. And we didn't plan it, so we were making the same things on the same nights. Sometimes it worked out that way, but not always. It was just that was part of our plan. And this was a great way for me to get introduced to some new tried and true recipes that she enjoyed. She got introduced to some that I enjoyed. And it just kind of made me feel less alone in the whole process of planning out meals and then actually executing and making those meals when I knew like, oh, this recipe came from my sister. And I would think about like, you know, oh, she makes this with her family. And, you know, it just, it all felt much more doable because I didn't feel quite so alone in it. There was a little bit of a creative element to it. There was like uh, a sharing of the burden and also kind of a sharing of the joy if you found a new recipe and it was fun to share in that way. Anyway, those are my tips to make it hopefully slightly less overwhelming and less of a burden for you, Crystal. You are not a failure. You are not a loser. You are your own person with your own unique personality, your own preferences, your own skills and abilities. I am positive that you are amazing at something that I stink at. And <laughs> you know what? That's just how it works out. Um, so anyway, I hope that's helpful. If anybody else has thoughts to share that might be helpful to Crystal or anybody who's struggling with meal planning or the drudgery of that kind, that element of homemaking, I would love to hear your tips and tricks, your ideas. Send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com. All right. That's all the time we have for today. But I hope you've enjoyed today's show. I hope you enjoyed getting to know my daughter a little bit. And um, if you have enjoyed today's show, or if you enjoy girlfriends in general, can I ask a favor? 
would you share the podcast with somebody? Either let people know on your social media, just put a link out there or leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Really helpful to get those ratings and reviews in. Like Juliet said, <laughs> she's out there reading them. So make sure you leave a good one this week. So thank you for considering doing that. Really, word of mouth is so vitally important to us in growing our community of Girlfriends listeners here. And I am so grateful for all the ways that you helped me to do that. I'm also grateful that you spend this time with me. Thank you so much for being here and being part of this week's show. You know I love connecting with you here and you know I love hearing from you and all the ways that you're listening to the podcast, using the podcast, sharing the podcast in your everyday life. It's a joy and it's a privilege to be able to connect with you like that. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 